Hey, good morning, and <clears throat> let me just remind you again, as uh, Pastor Rick reminded you a moment ago, that we'll be celebrating communion in just a few moments. So if you haven't already, uh, go ahead and grab something that will symbolize for you the body and blood of Christ um, so that you can participate in communion with us. So it's starting to feel like things are changing a bit with this whole pandemic, right? Like yeah. it's getting a little more hopeful. We're hearing more about uh, numbers of vaccines. I think last I heard was something like a million people in New Jersey have been vaccinated fully. Yeah, last I saw it was like nine or 10% of the state. Yeah, which, yeah. Is, which is great and exciting, yeah. Uh, no, I can't, it's, it's like the light at the end of the tunnel. We're still, that's only 10%. Yeah, let's uh, hope the light at the end of the tunnel isn't bus right yeah. <laughs> and it's a it's a long light but but it's a light and we're moving in that direction and uh, but you know as we've been saying throughout this uh, whole year this whole pandemic year this this is a defining moment Absolutely. Right? Yeah. we will always be talking about this time and place in fact uh, Rick you were sharing how um, you were reading something about this, the children right now are gonna be known as Generation C. Yeah, somebody, an author was suggesting that this next generation could be called Generation C because they will be, they'll live lives and never know life without having experienced COVID and the ramifications that may come with that in the years ahead. Yeah, yeah. so Generation C may be the, that next generation. But yeah, to your point of this is a life-altering, life-changing, a marked, uh, an event that will be marked in history for sort uh, of like our parents grandparents would talk yeah. about living through the depression or world war ii and so forth we're Absolutely, going to be telling yeah. stories about this time and what this time was like for us and um we've been talking about this really going through and saying what will your story be in the series we just completed that we called Reset, mm -hmm. it was this focus on how we're going to use this time to reorient, reset, refocus our lives, our attention on Christ. So that at the end of this season of COVID and when things are uh, more back to normal, that part of our story, your story, will be how this was a time in your life where your faith deepened, where you really began uh, to more seriously uh, walk with Jesus. And that's my prayer for you and my desire for you as it is for myself. So today, we're beginning this new series that we're calling Forget You. <laughs> less about me, more about him. And it's really kind of an extension of the series that we just finished, the Reset uh, series. So it, it's kind of this now, what does it mean to uh, apprentice with or to follow Jesus? Right, what's that next step? Yeah, and so, and so like I said, the, the title, Forget You, Less of You and More of Him, is kind of based on a statement made by John the Baptist to his disciples. And it's in John chapter three, and John has this real extensive ministry, and Jesus is kind of just arriving on the scene to begin his ministry. And John says to his disciples, and I think it's gonna be on the screen, he says, he must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. And so John was telling his disciples, look, in this next season, it's gonna be less about John and more about Jesus. And in the message version, it says, this is the moment for Jesus to move 
into the center. So it's this idea of resetting our lives as we move towards normalcy. And it's this, like we talked about, I talked about last week, this simple challenge of follow, Jesus said to follow me and love God by loving people, that there's this moment for Jesus to move into the center, this moment to allow Jesus to be in the center of our life. And that may be where you are, or it may be you're just beginning and just getting started in this whole uh, 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 following Jesus uh, experience. But as an intro to this series, uh, we thought that we would briefly look at what it is to follow Jesus and what it is not to follow mm. Jesus. And so uh, I want to jump right in and we're going to look at uh, uh, a scripture from Romans chapter 8 and it's verse 29. And again, it's on the screen over my shoulder. So Paul is writing and he says, God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset, and this is the part we want to focus on, to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. That the son stands first in the line of humanity he restored. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. And Paul is saying that we're going to be shaped by God to look like Jesus. That Jesus is the shape, the intended shape for each of our lives. And, and this isn't just about copying Jesus. This isn't about, about you know, uh, just, just following and doing things just like Jesus did to mimic Jesus. Right. This is this is about having God do the shaping in our life. And so that's really the first distinction we want to point out is that following Jesus is not just adopting Jesus's lifestyle, but it's being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And notice it's about being conformed, not conforming, because there's this big difference or subtle difference, but yet it's a huge implication between the two. And it's subtle, but it is different. So conforming is something that is done by you. You can, you can conform to somebody, you can copy somebody, but being conformed is something that is done to you. And so that's why it's so important, Paul mentions that God is doing the shaping. So I read a, uh, saw a book uh, and uh, it was most interesting. I, I thought I need to read this. It's called A Year of Living Like Jesus. Yeah. And uh, this author decided that what would it look like to spend a year as a literal undertaking to do what Jesus did. And he, he had seen the book about a year of living as a Jew. And so he wanted to do a year of living like Jesus. And what would that look like? And so he grew a beard, of course, because he didn't shave and, and his clothing changed and he wore sandals all the time and he changed the food that he ate. And he even uh, went to all the Jewish festivals that Jesus would have gone to. Now that's conforming done by somebody, right? That's actually choosing to copy and mimic after Jesus. What we're talking about being conformed or shaping is an inside out transformation. It's a, uh, our role then is to welcome and work in cooperation with Jesus towards transformation. So how do you do that? It's really about putting ourselves, it's about me putting myself in a place. It's about putting myself with opportunities for God to shape me, for God to shape you. So that's why uh, small groups are so important. That's why spending time with other Christians is so important. That's why service is opportunities for people to grow in their faith because they're putting themselves in a place for God to shape us. 
Now, what I found so interesting is this guy who decided to live a year like Jesus, that he, his book is really just his daily entries for the whole year. It's a journal entry of living like Jesus. And what he discovered is by even by copying Jesus, not only did he grow a beard, but he discovered grace, mercy, mm. peace. He discovered that following Jesus and following the way Jesus lived led to this deeper love of God and a deeper love for people. So while this may seem like a subtle difference, it is not a small distinction. It's very important and for this reason. See, if we just conform and do the conforming ourselves, we can begin to believe that we're doing all the work and we can believe that it's our own efforts. And then my actions and my, um, my activities become uh, something that I'm doing and it can lead to someone thinking, look how holy I am. Look, <laughs> look how well I've done in yeah. being like Jesus. Or uh, when I fail, and which probably happens more often, uh, it leads to guilt and we begin to think, God must not love me now because look how much I've failed. Mm. So when I am aware that it is God doing the shaping in me, I can develop this deeper understanding of God's love and God's peace and God's mercy and grace. But Jeff, being in cooperation with Jesus is, is only part of this. Yeah, that's exactly right. So it's not only not just about a lifestyle, but this conforming. It's also not about a formula. Mm. It's about a journey. It's not a formula. It's a journey. And that's about focusing on the things that Jesus focused on mm. versus this kind of formulaic approach to faith. And over the years, you know, especially in my younger years as a, uh, as a young Christian man, um, there were so many different times that I was introduced to a formula. This is yeah. what it means to have a spiritual life. Here's what you do in the morning. Here's what you do in the afternoon. Here's what you do at night. And there's all these things that you do and when you do them and how you do them and how long you do them and, and so forth. And I always had this kind of guilt because I could never carry yeah. through with these formulas. The problem with formulas is they're just that. They're formulas. And a formulaic faith really to me is what I would consider religion. Yeah. But what we're talking about here, what Jesus wanted for us is a relationship. It's not about a religion, it's about a relationship. And that takes seriously who I am and how I would come into mm -hmm. any relationship. Uh, Rick, when, when Marilyn and I first learned we were pregnant with our first uh, child, um, she began to read books. And uh, she had books on her nightstand, and I remember one in particular, What to Expect When You're Expecting, and she was getting a lot from that. She wanted me to read it. I had no interest in reading it. <laughs> I didn't want to read books about being a parent. My approach was I was talking to guys who had kids. So whether they were guys with little babies or toddlers or older kids and so forth, that's, that's my approach. That's how I uh, come at things. Mm. You know, not that I don't read or that she doesn't talk to folks, but just our, our way of going at it was, was different, right? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Which one was right? You know, mine. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, they're both right because each one was about who we are and how we approach things. We're different. The same is true in our spiritual lives. My approach to uh, my spiritual life is different than how Marilyn approaches her spiritual life. The focus is the same. We both desire to grow in our understanding of, our love for, our devotion to Jesus and, um, and where that's gonna lead us. But how we do that uh, is going to be different and reflective of who we are. And what's been interesting over these years, and I'm sure you have the same with Kelly, that I've learned by watching how Marilyn does it and, uh, and have adopted some of that stuff, and I think she's done the same yeah. as well. You see, the, the idea of a formula is this is the way that you do it, this is the way that everybody does it, and it wouldn't work for everybody. It'll work for some, yeah. it won't work for others, and it's not about a formula, it's about a journey walking with mm. Christ. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, um, we're gonna continue to figure out what this looks like to um, have this relationship, this journey uh, with following Christ. Now, there's gotta be some parameters around that or some guardrails right. around that, right? So if I'm going to follow Christ, um, there are certain things that I'm going to be doing. And that is what I would describe as the guardrails. So last week, uh, Rick, in your message, you talked about Shema. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so it's this thing that uh, faithful Jewish men and women have said every day for thousands of years. And it's this, the Shema is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. And you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And then Jesus added to the Shema by saying, and you are to love your neighbor yeah. as yourself. Well, those are some guardrails, right? So if you spend your day, the beginning of your day, saying, Lord, how am I going to love you with my whole heart, my whole mind, my whole soul, all of my strength? Lord, what is that gonna look like today? And how am I gonna love my neighbor as myself? That's some guardrails around which, um, how, do I, how do I grow in that? How do I follow that? And uh, so that's a kind of what I'm talking about, these guardrails. So it's gonna look different for all of us, but it's not that there aren't some, mm -hmm. some general directions. One other thing um, about this having Christ as central in your life is that our spiritual life is um, an individual thing, an individual activity, and it's a team sport. It's an individual activity and it's a team sport. As an individual, it's my responsibility, it's your responsibility to develop your relationship with Jesus, to learn from him, to follow him, to serve him. And as I do that, I'm being yeah. conformed, right? Mm -hmm. So this work is happening in me. But Jesus then called us not just into a relationship with him, but into a relationship with others who are following him as well, into these gatherings that we now call the church. And when we are gathered with other Christ followers, we bring our faith, mm -hmm. we bring our gifts, we bring 
our service into that community and others are blessed by my faith, my gifts, and my service. And here's the thing, I am blessed by theirs. I'm blessed by their faith, by your faith. I'm blessed by your gifts, by your service. And then here's what happens. As the church is serving each other, as we're caring for each other, growing in our faith together, serving one another, sharing our gifts and so forth, that the spirit then moves the church out into the world to be a blessing to the world beyond ourselves. And we see that happening here at Hope, right? So there are so many ways that this church is blessing the broader community. We have a preschool that is a Christ-centered preschool, but it's not just for people who are a part of the Hope community, it's for kids uh, from around the area. And so in that way, we're blessing those children and those families. Our MOPS group, Mothers of Preschoolers, it's not just for women in our community of faith, it's for women throughout the community. And they come and they get blessed through that. We do work, as you know, in Haiti. We uh, are are partnered up with a church in Cuba and We're involved in Urban Promise, so in Camden, Urban Promise, Urban Mission Fellowship. Our food pantry is blessing people. So I love this God-inspired spiritual synergy that happens, right? So as I, as an individual, are growing in my faith, being conformed to the image, and I'm bringing that into this community of other Christ followers, and we're growing, and then we get to go out and bless the world um, it, it's a beautiful and powerful thing. Yeah, and as we were uh, preparing the message, uh, of course, it, it led us to one of our favorite verses. I know it's my favorite verse. Oh, yeah, it's, I, I know this. it's one of your favorites as well. It's, yeah. uh, and really, we love all of chapter 12 of Romans. Romans we've, 12. Yeah. We've preached it often, and uh, we will continue to preach it often. And here's why. Uh, Paul, when he's writing to the church in Rome, he's discussing that, he's discussing this very process, this transformation that happens to those who follow Jesus, to those who put Jesus at the center of the center of their lives. And so we just want to look at those first two verses. I want to read through that. It says, so here's what I want you to do. This is Paul talking to the Roman Christians. He says, God helping you. Notice it's God helping you. Mm-hmm. That It's this whole idea that we are being conformed. We're not doing it ourselves. God is doing it in us. He says, take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Mm. It's not a formula, but a journey, because your everyday ordinary life looks different than my everyday ordinary life, looks different than your everyday ordinary life. It's not a formula but a journey. And then Paul goes on and he says, embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, he says, instead, fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. Here it is. Cooperation with God leads to God shaping us from the inside out. Mm readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you 
develops well-formed maturity in you. And then as you continue to read that whole chapter, the rest of the chapter describes this community of faith that's working together and gathering together and blessing others and mm-hmm. that this spiritual life is an act, is not an individual activity. It's an individual activity and it's a team, team sport. sport that yeah. God is growing me, God's growing us together in God and God is blessing the world through us. And a just beautiful, beautiful chapter in the Bible. Love it, love it. So it's Lent. And typically in Lent, we talk about what is it that you're giving up. But you know, this past year has been a year of giving things up. People have given up weddings and um, graduations, vacations, jobs have been lost. It really feels like uh, a lot of giving up. So this Lent, I'd like it to be about thing, something that we're going to take hold of. To take hold of the one thing that is solid and secure and constant, that Jesus Christ is that thing, that one thing that we can hold on to when everything else seems to be falling apart. What if when you talk about the pandemic that the whole world went through years from now, that your story is about how your faith grew how your hope carried you through it. And you are the person that you are today because of that time period and the way that you walk through that. So this morning as you receive communion, I want to encourage you to make this your prayer. Jesus, more of you and less of me. Amen. So if you haven't already, you can gather your elements and again, bread, juice, whatever you may have available to you to celebrate uh, communion together. Uh, Jeff and I are using uh, one of the disposable communion cups that we've been using uh, recently. But really, anything will do that you have on hand. And You remember that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread from the table. And again, he was using bread because it was available, it was accessible, it was there on the table. And he passed it out to his disciples and he said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The body of Christ represented by this bread. Take and eat. And then Jesus took a cup from the table. Again, it was a cup that was on the table already. It was accessible and available. He held it up and he said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. And he said, do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. The blood of Christ shed for you.